All right, we're live. Welcome back to Talk with Army. I'm your co-host, Delilah. And I'm your co-host, Daisy. And we are recording part two of Army Anonymous. Um, we're still in the general section. And also, I'm sorry if I sound a little bit um, down. I'm just kind of annoyed because we were like halfway through the questions and then my audio was not recording at all. So we kind of have to redo everything right now. So, <laughs> so if I sound a bit tired, um, don't, it's, it's, all, it's all my fault. Um, so sorry about that. <laughs> But as BTSA, life goes on, life and goes so on. we must continue. So I guess we're just going to start again. Uh, we're in the last submission of the general category, so um, let me read it out here. This person says, Exposed threads that are taken as gospel truth. This isn't exclusive to ARMY slash K-pop Twitter. I've seen it happen in other spaces on Twitter. It's just crazy to me how a random slash anonymous person can create a narrative with a lot of misinformation and people run with it. Also, if anyone tries to go against the thread, they are shut down immediately, and this is from Australia. Yeah, so in terms of exposed threads, I think the biggest problem with them is just the fact that, you know, it's just so easily taken at face value. I feel like the biggest problem is a lot of people really don't analyze the information within the exposed threads critically. And a big um, thing that we were talking about um, as well, within like the first recording that we did of this episode, is people who will um, save screenshots of people. Let's say that there's like a problematic group chat and someone was saying something problematic within that. And you are screenshotting information from that group chat and posting it. And you'll look at these screenshots and they're from like three years ago. And it's like, well, if you were in the group chat three years ago and you saw this person say that, why did you wait three years to post this? Why didn't you just correct them in the group chat and then they could have changed their ways and then you wouldn't have to expose them three years later. So a lot of times it really is just people who are looking to expose somebody who they already have a vendetta against. It's just never done in good faith. And so that's why a lot of times I tend to side eye exposed threads because you just wonder what the poster of that thread's original, um, their, um, original intentions are. Right. I, it's really hard to take some of these people seriously when you look at them and it's like, why did you wait? Why did you wait? Especially when it's like solo stand accounts. And it's basically a pot calling a kettle black. Like, you're the same person. Um, and we <laughs> thought we wouldn't notice. <laughs> so it, there's just something that feels, it feels so slimy. And, I, you know, what? part of me gets it because, like we were saying in the previous um, recording, no one wants to feel like they're on the wrong side. It doesn't feel good to think that oh you're supporting someone who's bad no one in their mind thinks i'm going to support someone that's bad because no one wants to be you know a bad person and so people are, are going to be quick to um quick to get together and rally against this person and be like oh yeah this person 
they should not have a platform, this person, um, they need to be, you know, canceled or whatever. But um, at the same time, sometimes I'll be reading a thread and I'll be like, is this really, like, is this really cancel worthy though? Like sometimes it'll just be someone, um, like, yes, there are some times where threads do have direct evidence of someone just being a horrible person. That's true. But then other times I'll see exposed threads for someone just giving an opinion of like, oh, I don't like uh, this specific song. And then they, and then people are trying to like cancel them for it. It's very weird. Um, I, I think that um, a lot of times people on the internet just want something to target, something that allows them to uplift themselves and feel morally superior. And it's interesting that even when someone is presented with evidence to counter the original evidence that shows, you know, this person actually, this is either fabricated or it's out of context. It doesn't highlight the whole truth of the situation. Instead, of people, you know, switching sides and being like, oh, uh, we jumped the gun, uh, X person who made the exposed thread, you know, they're the one who tried to, um, they're, they're the one who try, who's trying to basically bully this person, um, by making this thread. However, that's actually not what happens. People don't go, oh, the person who made this exposed thread, you know, they're the problem. Instead, if someone brings evidence that shows that the first evidence was not correct, people claim that the new evidence is what is what's fabricated. It's what's fabricated is what's fake. Um, and I think that is just a terrible, uh, just like a terrible way that the internet operates. And it's operated like that for years. It doesn't matter how much evidence you give to someone to show what the truth is. In their mind, they have already made up what is correct and they will fit, you know, do whatever it takes to fit what that evidence is into it being like some conspiracy. Oh, it's not real. It's fake. Or um, sometimes they'll then deflect blame and be like, well, you know, yeah, that's true, but perhaps they shouldn't have put themselves in that situation in the first place, so then that way they wouldn't get misinterpreted. And it's like, that's not how that works. Like, maybe you shouldn't have just not misinterpreted it. Like, it shouldn't be on right. other, like, it shouldn't be on the person that you are bullying. Like, they shouldn't have to constantly... Ex oh, explain themselves every single time um and you see that in cases like with daisy like daisy will make a tweet and i know exactly what she's talking about and then people will completely misinterpret it and try to cancel her and then she'll explain herself and they'll be like oh that makes sense um okay and then the conversation will be done but then people will still find problems with it and say, well, you should have been more clear the first time. It's like, no, you need to learn how to converse like a person. <laughs> like, like if right. you don't understand something or if you think something 
is, or if you think that, you know, something was worded in a way that is, I don't want to say, oh, it's bad, but if you're like, did they really mean what they said? Um, just ask, like, say, what do you mean by that? Can you explain this? Uh, can you clarify this, um, can you clarify, uh, this sentence or this tweet? And you can even do that with something that is explicitly, you know, mean or something that is explicitly, you know, hateful, something that doesn't even require clarification. You can still ask someone to explain it. So then that way that person has to explain their own thought process and they have to explain why they thought it was okay to tweet that. Forcing people to have to explain um, why a bad joke is um, funny. Honestly, you'll probably get more clear answers into their personality um, from, from that than just trying to misinterpret innocent people's tweets. Um, I think I think it's always better to ask clarification um, instead of just jumping the gun on every single person because like I, like we said, this happens like clockwork once a month. Um, just not even to like Twitter accounts but to celebrities too. It's over and over and over again and I'm tired. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with Twitter is just the lack of willingness to communicate with other people. Um, I feel like when it comes to Twitter, people, and I feel like you've said this before, Delilah, about how people will see something and just immediately want to take meaning out of it um, the first time. Uh, regardless of whether their interpretation of what is being said is correct or not. And so that leads a lot of people to just completely misunderstand what somebody's saying. And even when that person has clarified what they're talking about, already people have run with a narrative as to what this person is talking about, that it doesn't even matter whether or not they clarify and this per and the people's interpretation ends up being wrong because they've already come up with uh, what, like, they've already come up with reasoning in their head as to how the person that they're exposing is uh, actually lying to them about what they really meant. And I feel like that's just an incredibly terrible thing to do because if this were like offline and I'm talking to somebody and I completely misunderstand what they're saying, like I would usually have a conversation with that person to figure out where exactly we went wrong so that by the end of the conversation, I'm like, okay, now I understand what you meant. I may have misinterpreted your words. Let's move on with another part of the conversation. But that never happens on Twitter. Um, and you'll also notice a lot of times that when people come out and debunk exposed threats for being incorrect and for showing misinformation, those threats usually end up getting less engagement than the original exposed thread. And so a lot of times uh, you will get people who will just never actually know the truth behind a certain person who's being exposed. A lot of times they'll just take what they know from the exposed thread and just paint that image of them uh, their whole uh, life. And it gets pretty sad because a lot of times people will get bullied off of Twitter and it's only after they're gone that people realize, oh, maybe we made a mistake. And then that is really what gets on my nerves because it's like you people have had the opportunity to ask this person themselves what they said because that's another thing about exposed threads. They will never actually show you the uh, perspective of the person that they're exposing. 
Um, so a lot of times you're only ever getting the perspective of the person who's exposing them. Um, no one's ever going out of their way to ask the person being exposed what they felt during the time, what they were saying, like what their thought process was, what they actually meant. Um, and so they never actually get a proper chance to defend themselves. And anyone who does defend them ends up getting called like a minion of that person, a bootlicker, all sorts of different names. And you see this a lot with like solo stands on things like ARMY Twitter or K-pop Twitter in general, where solo stands will deliberately um, paint somebody's tweets um, in a different light. They'll deliberately take them out of context and make them seem like an anti of a certain person. And because of that, that usually ends up signaling the other solo stands of that community to just completely dog on them and then try and convince other naive and gullible armies that this person is an anti of a certain member when in reality they're actually not. And solos are very hard to shake off. Once they've targeted you as an anti of the member that they stand, those rumors usually follow you around for a while. I mean, I originally got called a Jungkook anti for some complete misunderstanding back in 2019 and it's been almost three years since then and they're still like they're still trying to spread rumors about me. Um, same with people who tried to label me as a Jimin anti. I mean to be honest I've been called an anti of every single member of BTS so at this point why the hell would I be here if I'm antiing every single member of BTS? Like I'm OT0 apparently to all these solo stands no, and I know I, I know a lot of people who've also been called an anti of every single member of BTS so it's not just me and you know when you realize how it doesn't make sense for you to be an anti of this many members and still be here, you'll realize how many of these exposed threads just aren't true. And so that's why I feel like we just always encourage you on here to always do your research and always be critical of the information that's being displayed on the internet because as you all know, I'm sure we don't need to tell you this, but not everything you read on the internet is true. Exactly. I mean, I, told, I talked about this in the original recording that we had been doing but think about what happened with Chaplo and how people started uh, a conspiracy theory that he lied about graduating for Stanford and that everything he's been talking about on variety shows is all just uh, basically basically just a lie yeah what I said um, and that he's been forging all his credentials and this, of course, was at a time when other celebrities were being exposed as forging their credentials, which it seems awfully familiar, doesn't it? Like how the past two years we've had this trend of people exposing K-pop idols for being bullies. Um, and mm -hmm. then it's just like a new one comes out every week. And, you know, Tabla was one of the biggest victims of, like, this forgery scandal. And there were people that said, yeah, no, he, he, he went to Stanford. Um, uh, he even showed um, his degree. He provided his degree as proof. And people were saying, oh, no, that's also fake. Um, you can pay someone to do that. And then people were saying, oh, well, since forgery is illegal, Topo's also a criminal because he's faking his, he's faking his college um, de degree. Um, and so that just spiraled it, it, it deeply, you know, it, it really ruined a lot of aspects of his life at that time. Um, and 
we we see this kind of thing over and over again. Like even though he's in a better place now, um, there's just a lot of things from that event that can't be salvaged, and the fact that people are probably aware of that, and yet we still continue to just make the same mistakes over and over again. It's really ridiculous, which is why there's just so many times when um, certain scandals come up. I don't take people's responses on Twitter seriously whatsoever because people don't care about the truth. They just care about appearing more right to their followers than everyone else. Yep, and so that's why we hate exposed threads. Me and my homies, we all hate exposed threads. Like, I, I, I can go on forever about just the harm that exposed threads do. I mean, that could even be like a whole episode in itself, just like cyberbullying from like completely, you know, taking things out of context. But yeah, um, unless, that was, that's unless it is Queen Elizabeth II, keep all the exposed threads coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, like. I still cannot even believe that this woman is dead. But we have talked about this in yesterday's uh, Army Anonymous submissions with the whole Jungkook Princess Diana stuff. So we won't get too deep into the royal family issues. But we will move on to the next uh, section, which is the internal fandoms issues category. And so this first submission here says... This has already been talked about, but it's shocking to me how many people I see that still haven't watched the full Festa video, or if they did, don't understand what the tannies mean with their quote-unquote break. In my opinion, the video is one of, if not the most important and crucial things to watch as an army, even multiple times if necessary, to really absorb everything they talked about. But a lot of people seem to be lax about it. It's been two months and BTS literally explained that they will still do group activities, just no new music. But somehow a lot of people are convinced that they wanted to halt any type of group stuff or work in general. And Hybe, Big Hit, is still putting too much work on them and should let the Tannies take an actual break. I mean, yes, we get a lot of content currently, so it seems like they're doing a lot. But most of the stuff we get is individual content pre-recorded or info on things that will happen in the future. Just because it's a lot for ARMY right now doesn't mean it's a lot for the Tannies as well. Another example is the Busan concert in October. While I'm, and while I'm also side-eyeing the articles and political stuff around it, the Tannies did agree to be ambassadors for the expo and they did agree to do a concert. So the narrative that they were forced and that they just want to rest doesn't sit right with me. I get that a lot of it comes from concern, but I don't know why it's so hard for a lot of people to just trust that the Tannies know what they're doing and take things as they come. It feels like the Manti narratives have increased a lot since they announced their break and it's really frustrating. I'm sorry this got so long. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Thank you and keep up the good work. And this is from Germany. Yeah, so when it came to the festive video, I did see that um, a few people we're just completely misinterpreting what they said. We talked about this in our first recording, but um, for example, the way that some people tried to paint a narrative that everything um, that came out after Map of the Soul 7, BTS were forced into doing it and that they hate the music that they've put out since then. And I feel like that is just incredibly dishonest to say that, given the fact that BTS were the ones who even decided to pushed through the pandemic with music in the first place. They never said that they hated any of their songs. 
that happened um, that were created during the pandemic. They never said that any of that music was something that they resented. So for people to make it seem that way, honestly, I feel like it's just projection because there are some people who probably hate the English singles and maybe just hate everything in general that has come out since the beginning of the pandemic, but they don't feel right saying that they just hate it. They don't want to just admit that it's just not their preference. So they have to project their dislike of those songs onto BTS to make it seem like they're right and that they're justified for hating it. When in reality, it's like, just say that it's not your style. We'll understand that. But you lying and saying that BTS never actually wanted to put out that music is just plain false. Um, we know how BTS copes with their uh, feelings and their thoughts and their experiences. They always express it through music. So for you to act like they somehow didn't want to do it this time, it's just ridiculous. And they were trying to say that somehow the English singles were the cause of their burnout. When BTS was burned out before they ever thought about releasing any pandemic music, they talked about how Map of the Soul 7 was supposed to be the end of chapter one, but because the pandemic had halted and their tour got canceled, they had to figure out a way to get through that, which is how they ended up with all the music that they dropped. So they were already done by the time Map of the Soul 7 was released. So for people to act like they were going to continue, but because of the English singles, they got burnt out. That's not what they said. And so it's really frustrating to see people just continue to twist their narrative because it just goes to show you that they never really watched that video with an open mind. They watched it looking to confirm what they already thought um, was correct about their assumptions about BTS and their music. And so it, it's just really sad. And um, to talk about the Busan concert in October, um, we were talking about this earlier, how even though the government is doing all sorts of messed up stuff, they're just showing themselves to be completely incompetent in being able to handle this event. Although we're probably, we're just assuming because, you know, it just seems like the, you know, most probable thing that happened is that BTS and HYBE probably agreed to do this concert, but just they weren't just, they just weren't aware of the problems that were going to surface as this progressed. I'm sure that when they agreed to do this concert, they were just thinking, yeah, we're just going to put on a concert for armies, no problem. But now that we've seen what's going on with the way that the government was, you know, so lacking in infrastructure for the first venue that they were supposed to book, and now they have to completely switch venues and it's all on hype for some reason to fund this, even though that completely makes no sense because if they were really about that, about like showing other people that they are able to handle an event like Expo, they should be the ones funding it and they should be the ones working on infrastructure. But instead you have hype funding this event and armies who are working to try and make this a more comfortable experience for people who are going to the concert. So it's like you have the fans and the the label who are putting in this work for this event where are you in all of this why are you missing an action you guys are the ones who wanted this event to happen and somehow you're just not involved in any of the prep work like make it make sense and we were talking about um before in the original recording how bts and hive they're stuck between a rock and a hard place they probably know that this is a whole mess and that honestly bts right now is just a scapegoat um, the Busan government isn't doing anything to actually promote themselves as being worthy of holding the World Expo, besides just saying, look what we have. We have BTS, and that's it. Like, 
that and that and that shouldn't be it they're putting all their eggs into this one basket that is frankly a very fragile basket and cannot hold all of these eggs in the first place um so the fact that they didn't really seem to have a decent plan for this and at this point all the problems that occur in the future are just going to be pinned on high it doesn't make any sense because if you can't hold this concert how do you expect to hold the world expo like it like this this if anything all of just this publicity in itself all of this all of, all of these news articles talking about all the problems with it they're i have a feeling they're probably not going to get they're probably not going to get the bid because they haven't shown anything whatsoever that shows Busan is the place to have it other than the fact that BTS are here like that that's not going to cut it and BTS probably knows this but they can't back out either um and mm. what we were talking about you know in the original recording about being stuck between a rock and a hard place that's because you know BTS were already under scrutiny because the military um has had BTS in their mouths for years about enlistment and whatnot and so BTS were to suddenly back out of this World Expo a bit. One, I mean, Busan doesn't have anything else. And so it would probably, you know, not feel good to just leave them with absolutely nothing. And two, I wouldn't be surprised if they would then be accused of being unpatriotic, not wanting to mm-hmm. support their country. Like, oh, you don't think South Korea... Um, is worthy enough to hold the world expo that's not very patriotic of you um and so that and then plus all the you know enlistment bs that's been happening for the past years on top of this like they they can't back out even if they wanted to like they just can't right and i think that that's like really just like the biggest um issue with bts being like treated as almost like ambassadors of their country i mean to be honest they have been treated as that um and i feel like it's a blessing and a curse because while it's a great honor to represent your country i think that a big problem that comes with that is the fact that because of that they have this burden to constantly be serving their country in ways that may not even benefit them at all um and you know this concert is just really one of those things where they feel like even though they originally agreed to this, like if they back out now, there's just so much at stake that they feel like they have no choice but to keep going. Cause like, yeah, like Delilah said, if they back out then, and they're seen as unpatriotic because everybody knows that if they backed out, of course the government's gonna blame them. <clears throat> Cause it's not gonna be, oh, you know, they backed out because the government had serious infrastructural problems that they didn't want to address. They're gonna spin the narrative as, oh, they backed out because they don't care about Korea. And, um, you know, if that ever happens, then, you know, maybe the government is going to be like, oh, well, if they don't care about the government and they don't care about their country, then I don't see why we have to grant them any exemption if they're going to be this ungrateful. And so they may just make BTS serve full time in the military. And, you know, whether or not they're actually going to do that um, is up in the air. 
I don't know why it's still up in the air. It's almost the end of 2022 and you people have still not decided whether or not you want to make BTS just serve full time and be done with it or get an exemption. And now there's even talk about alternate service, but then within that alternate service, BTS still have to, like they made it seem like, oh, BTS can still perform even while doing this service, but then they don't get any profit from actually doing any sorts of promotions and they still have to be, um, you know, serving the country. They won't be um, labeled as citizens. Um, because, you know, when you enlist, you are registered as like a soldier, well, I, not a soldier per se, but I guess working, um, under the military. Um, but then once you are out of the military, you are then, re you are then labeled as a citizen once again. So during that entire time that they may have that alternate service, they still won't be registered as regular citizens, which means that they still have to be at the government's beck and call for pretty much everything. And so... You know, there's just like a lot of things that the government is controlling and I feel like it's just so frustrating that they have to go through this. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that they were necessarily forced into doing this. I feel like there may have been some pressure, but at the end of the day, they agreed to do it. Um, so I guess the best thing that we can do is see it through and just continue to uh, press for the government to just do better because honestly, at this rate, I feel like they're just not going to get the bid. And then if they don't get the bid, again, BTS and HYBE are scapegoats for this. So of course they're going to blame BTS and HYBE if they don't get it. It's apparently going to be, uh, you know, their fault because they uh, just weren't enough of a pull. Um, but then if they do end up getting the bid, then I'm sure the government is going to credit themselves for being able to pull it off. They're not going to actually give BTS and HYBE their flowers for actually uh being able to uh handle the bulk of what's going on but like that's a whole different story but either way bottom line watch the festa videos um and we talked about this in the first recording but watch not just the festa video from 2022 but all of them i feel like all of them are incredibly insightful as to you know what is going on with bts um, they're all on YouTube. They're all subbed, uh, if not by Bangtan TV, then by Army Translators. I know Bangtan Subs has subbed quite a few of the Festa videos. So you should definitely go and check those out. BTS definitely get very candid about their current experiences throughout the years. And just being able to see their mindsets grow and evolve over time from 2013 till now is just really insightful. So I would say that like, if you haven't gone to do that yet, your current homework as an army is to do that. Yes, please do. Um, not only are they insightful, like Daisy said, but it's also good to just see the boys, you know, sitting down together eating. Uh, I don't know what about BTS sitting at a table eating food that brings so much joy to my heart, but um, <laughs> it does. So yeah, with that, um, we will go and, um, Daisy, how about you highlight and scroll, um, cause my mouse is not working right now. I can't read the next question. Oh no. Um, so for anyone who's confused, for anyone who's confused as to what we're talking about, basically when we go through these submissions, cause they're in a Google doc, we highlight the ones that we've completed so we don't lose track of where we are. 
So if, if you're confused to what she's talking about, that's what it is. So I will just be highlighting. So wait, can, can you read this next one or should I? Uh, okay, should wait, I, I can do the down button. So I can read the next one, just highlight the one we just read. Okay. Um, so this one says, the link between K-Army and I-Army is weakening, sadly. Also, we need to learn to communicate again. There are times when fandom gets too divided and loud over opinions. For example, streaming method. What's happening with our YouTube views exactly? Some say that YouTube is definitely doing something because ain't no way we are streaming this less. The change is drastic. Some say yet to come is an emotional music video and that's why I might agree because I get emotional too. But then what about Arson and On? Are we just not streaming on YouTube? From India. And so let's break this um, down. Let's start with the first part talking about, you know, K-Armies and I-Armies. The whole K-Army, I-Army thing is really pissing me off um, recently just because so many people just treat Korean armies as a monolith. There are so many hit tweets, and I'm talking tens of thousands of likes, saying that, you know, Korean armies don't deserve concerts, don't deserve performances, um, don't, uh, like, there was that one um, army on Weavers that wanted Hobie to have, like, Hobie Palooza, but in Korea. And, like, so many people were quoting that translation, talking about how Korean armies don't deserve anything because they didn't support Jack in the Box. And it's like, what do you know about that specific K-Army that commented that they want Hobie Palooza? If they want Hobie Palooza... Chances are they're probably they probably are someone that is listening to Jack in the Box, right? Um, right. So the way people are just you know, it is just it's too many people at this point just saying Korean armies don't deserve anything, treating them as a monolith. When international armies have gotten the same exact um, types of rhetoric and been treated the same way before, like how people complain that um, oh U.S. armies. They don't know any of their old songs because look at this out of context clip from a concert in a very specific seating section. Um, no one knew any of the words to the songs. And now that just blows up and people are claiming that their country is better than another country's armies because of so many just just like random clips that are not an accurate representation of of um of what the armies in those countries are accomplishing. Uh, and, you know, I, I think another thing that also annoys me about it is that K-Armies and international armies notoriously had a good relationship at one point. That's why we had entire, um, we had entire names for each other. And a few years ago, um, it was not normal for Korean armies, or not Korean armies, but like Korean K-pop fans and international K-pop fans of like any group, like it is common knowledge that there's always a disconnect between them. And that is actually something that armies had different from other groups, that there was actually this connection with Korean armies and international armies. That's why Korean armies are called K-Diamonds, and international armies are called I-Lovelies by them. Um, we, we have this working relationship. And now people are just being downright nasty, um, when a lot of times it's not the appropriate place um, to have 
um, to have like sex discussions. If you want to discuss that, uh, if you want to discuss like what's going on with um, Korean armies and their streaming practices, um, then you can discuss that. But it is absolutely not appropriate to just flat out say that Korean armies don't deserve anything that BTS gives them. Mm. Yeah, it's incredibly like weird and honestly it gets like borderline xenophobic i would even argue that it is a little bit xenophobic to say that because like i just don't understand how you can say that about an entire country of fans like hey armies were the ones who were supporting bts before i armies ever knew about them so to act like somehow they were just never doing enough and that they're just like they just don't care about bts or that oh they don't stream they complain too much like it's actually like really just ridiculous and Again, like we were talking about, like these types of accusations have been thrown at international armies. And so you'd think that for some people who have actually been accused of doing stuff that they haven't done, that they'd actually learn not to accuse other people of the same things, but it just never happens. And like we said, K-armies aren't a monolith. Um, not only do they have their side of fans who are also working hard, but they also have their share of solos and mantis. Um, so for people to just kind of put everybody in the same category um it, it just goes to show you that like a lot of people will just maybe see a tweet in korean and assume it's a k army when in reality that could very well just be a k solo or a k manti and i think that there can be talks that could be had about um big accounts uh putting in more effort to call that type of behavior out but we also have that issue with i army so to act like it's just a k army thing is also pretty dishonest and another thing about like this whole K army and I army relationship and the way that people are constantly trying to paint the image that they don't stream. I mean, just recently we've had a lot of massive changes to our own charts and um, the filtering process for streams on certain uh, streaming platforms. And so that has affected us in a way where it is more difficult to now get a song to number one on the Billboard 100 and that was shown but yet to come uh, debuting at, what was it, like number 13 or something on the Billboard uh, 100 mm -hmm. or something? I think it was 13. And so, yeah, number 13. And so if that was, like, imagine, like, other people, you know, looking at that and being like, oh my gosh, like, U.S. armies are so lazy. Like, we've been getting number ones this whole time and now they can't even get into the top 10. Like, they don't even care about BTS. Without even contextualizing the situation and realizing how many rules have changed, um, that are almost always like directly um, in response to armies uh, ending up like uh, charting BTS songs. Like armies will get a song to number one or an album to number one, and that pisses Billboard off because um, you know we've talked about how because BTS and Big Hit don't do payola or any type of stuff that no nobody's profiting off of them in the U.S. industry. Like. The way that people pay radio stations to give their artists spins, uh, Hive doesn't do that for their artists. And so a lot of times um, you will end up having BTS on the radio, but only like organically. It's not because anyone's paying BTS to be on there. And so because of the fact that, you know, the U.S. industry can't profit from BTS and Big Hit, that's why they take so many drastic measures to shut them out. I mean, why do people think that the Billboard tried to grow BTS on ARMY's quote-unquote gaming the system 
uh, when it's their own chart. And if they're so mad about it, they should just change the rules instead of blaming the artists and their fans because their rules weren't enough to keep them out. Um, and that was a whole other thing. So to act like, like rule changes can't possibly happen on the K side is also another weird thing that I feel like people aren't considering. As much as we've gone through some rule changes, I don't even know the kind of rule changes that the Korean charts may have gone through or Korean streaming platforms may have gone through. So not giving K-Armies that grace, even though we're expecting other people to give us that type of grace, I feel like people are just seriously, like, just looking to divide the relationship between K-Armies and I-Armies for no reason. I feel like we can definitely have talks with each other as to what can be improved on, but just constantly saying that they're the enemy, that they don't care about BTS and we need to stop relying on them, it's just, it's just, just, it doesn't get us anywhere because our relationship is what allows us to continue, you know, uh, transferring information to each other about certain things. And so we need to keep that relationship intact. So people trying to divide it, honestly, I'm gonna consider you an ANSI, I don't care. It's just, honestly, we can't afford to lose that relationship between us. And in terms of the other stuff that this person is saying in their submission, YouTube views, there has been a lot in terms of changes to the filtration process of YouTube. And also, um, I was seeing this recently on the timeline, I think maybe last week or early this week, but armies have actually been running tests on YouTube to see if um, any BTS related videos were getting blocked simply because they were BTS related. Um, so they were you know, doing tests with like certain videos and like certain hashtags and certain keywords. And they noticed that the ones with uh, BTS related keywords, those were getting filtered way more than videos without those keywords. Even though they were viewed the same, they were posted the same. So it has absolutely nothing to do with, well, I won't say it has absolutely nothing to do, but I mean, there is a problem right now where YouTube is deliberately working to, um, you know, not give as much engagement to BTS related videos. They're looking to filter the views a lot more. And I guess it may even affect, you know, if they even show up on the algorithm as well. I feel like there's just so much going on that armies are trying to get to the bottom of. So to kind of just look at this and think, mm, I don't think armies are caring enough about BTS anymore. It's just ridiculously insincere and it's not coming from a good place and that's gonna do nothing but cause fandom tension. And I feel like we just really need to figure out a way to get around this um, without tearing each other down. Exactly. Um, I, I do find it really interesting that YouTube seems to just be filtering anything BTS related. That is that is another example of just very lazy AI work. I feel like mm. YouTube was thinking, you know, every single time, you know, BTS drops a music video, um, we have to work overtime to make sure that everything is the views are the view counts are accurate and also that the rest of the platform runs smoothly so i wouldn't be surprised if they just have just made a bot that whenever anything bts you know comes out that it runs these filters automatically um and as a result it's just 
it is doing too much basically because we know for a fact that real time uh, views are being deleted um and so it's just it's just really lazy ai work um and to be honest there's i feel like there's not a lot of things that we we can do to fix it which is why i think it's so dumb to keep arguing about it right but yeah honestly this could be a whole other video in itself but uh i think that takes care of that submission and i just realized we accidentally skipped a submission so let me oh, go no. back one. it must have been my fault see what happens when i have um see what happens when i um my mouse wasn't working it's all my bad <laughs> don't worry about it um so let's read this one uh, this submission says, people did not watch the festive video. The transitions from chapter 1 into chapter 2 was probably in the works since 2019-ish. Everything after Map of the Soul 7 has been planned in reaction to that little global pandemic we all experienced. People continue to ignore B and focus, uh, focus so much on what they said about the English songs. They keep reiterating that the hiatus is 100% Hive's decision, or that Hive is why BTS are booked and busy in their solo works. And they say these solo works are the result of other idols their age going solo, although they've been doing solo things for years. Watching from the 20 minute mark on the video would disprove all of this. Misinformation is being spread because people don't trust what BTS said from their own mouths about why Chapter 2 is happening and why now. It's honestly so annoying. BTS were extremely clear with their intentions at the Festa dinner, and this is from the USA. Yeah, um, there's been like a lot of weird stuff going along around about like like the whole decision thing, and we've talked about in one of the previous submissions about like the way that some people think that Hive is the reason why they're going on hiatus, um, while just completely ignoring what BTS had talked about. But let's talk about this uh, idea that people think that BTS are going solo because other people their age are going solo. And there has been some recent, uh, I guess I would say beef, um, going on on ARMY Twitter because there was one uh, big BTS YouTube reactor um, and he goes by the name of DT Parker. And basically in a recent live stream that he did, he pretty much, I wouldn't even say insinuated, he just explicitly outright said it, that he thinks that uh, BTS are going solo because they saw how successful Lisa from Blackpink was with her solo career and decided that they should also do that. And even went on to say that uh, only people like, for example, Yoongi, Jungkook, and I think Jimin would be able to keep up with Lisa's achievements um, with their solo work. And people people absolutely drag this man to filth because honestly given how much bts content he has reacted to like i have seen his channel on youtube he has reacted to a lot of stuff it makes no sense how he could ever come to this conclusion especially knowing the fact that bts have been doing solo work for longer than blackpink has even been a group like the very first solo project any of them dropped was Namjoon's first mixtape in 2015 and that was one year before Blackpink had even debuted. So to act like they're somehow doing solo work now because of Lisa, even though they've been doing solo work even before their hiatus was announced, I feel is just so ignorant to their history 
And honestly, to paint it as them trying to chase Cloud because they saw someone else was successful is ridiculous because BTS is bigger than Blackpink in every single metric that they have. BTS have, is the biggest group in yeah, the world. Yeah, there's this really false um, narrative that like underneath BTS, like Blackpink is like the next biggest metric, but Blackpink is closer to closer to k-pop groups like twice than blackpink is to bts like the relative distance um bts is still far and above everyone else like blackpink is not at their level um and so the fact that this i think that people are just still stuck in like 2016 2017 when Blackpink and BTS were pulling similar numbers, because remember, Blackpink, they were the most recent girl group from YG. Of course, they were going to blow up and be super big really fast, while BTS was on a steady, um, they were going steady uphill. And so at some point, as BTS are going uphill and, you know, Blackpink were really popular, their popularity levels intersected at some point but i don't think people understand that like bts continue to um the slope continues to get steeper and steeper right when it comes to bts and blackpink this isn't even me trying to shade them it's just me stating facts like bts is just miles above blackpink right now like People can talk about things like YouTube records and all that kind of stuff, but when it comes to the metrics of their music, when it comes to the numbers that they pull when they go on tour in terms of concert attendance, like everything about BTS is just so far above just the K-pop industry in general that I feel like to say that Blackpink is even close to that is just false. I feel like YG Entertainment makes it seem like they're close enough to BTS. I mean, that's their whole thing. I mean, there have been a lot of times where they've tried to use BTS's name to uh, increase the popularity of Blackpink. And we've seen that multiple times before. So they're definitely trying to make it look like they're similar in terms of like impact and success, when in reality, that's just not true. And so when I heard him say that, I was like, dog, like, have you gained nothing from all of the hours of BTS content that you've been watching and reacting to? Like, armies have legitimately built up your channel from the ground up. They have been paying your bills. And even uh, recently, this guy I saw, he had gotten a tattoo, uh, he tattooed all the BTS members' faces onto his body, which honestly, like, I would not have done that unless I was absolutely sure that I was in this Bangtan Sunyeondan itch for life. But after what he said, honestly, I need this man to go and book a tattoo removal appointment ASAP. Right. I, I don't understand. You know, people can get a tattoo of whatever they want um because they like it they don't need like some super deep reason but if it's that big and that permanent i i i would hope you would be sure like really sure um 
I, uh, when I first got my first tattoo, it was uh, something that I had been thinking about for years that I wanted to get as my first tattoo. So I was absolutely sure of it when I got it. Um, so the fact, you know, especially portraits are as tattoos, um, they can, uh, depending on, you know, where it is on your body, they can start to become distorted um, over time. So mm. it is a big gamble to do that many portrait tattoos all over your body. Like I, I just, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a smart decision, especially if you don't even know how much you're going to be in this purple life. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I feel like people are just really not is both underestimating BTS's actual impact, overestimating other K-pop acts' impact in comparison to BTS, and also just not listening to what BTS have to say. They told you what they were now switching to official solo work, and BTS have been putting out solo work for years. This is not new. The only thing that's different is just that they're now official releases. And so um, for people to just assume that they're doing it because their peers are doing it, that's not what they said is the reason why they're doing it. And so yeah, it's just you guys, it's just, it's just plain dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Like they've been doing solo releases for so long. Like it just shows that while consuming all of this BTS content, you still don't understand BTS. I don't know how that happened. Right. It's like you're watching this content, but do you even understand the content? No, you don't. And so that's why I feel like this person said in their submission, just start from the 20 minute mark at the very least and just watch it all the way through because there's no way that you are taking all of this information out from the festive video, but not what they actually said. So we move. But yeah, that takes care of that submission. So the next submission says, I feel like we need to talk about the hatred towards K-Army. Big accounts are not exempt from this either because I saw a lot of them spreading the hate as well. I've noticed a lot of borderline xenophobic and racist takes clogging my timeline for the past couple of months and frankly, it's kind of disturbing. I understand wanting BTS to do well in the charts, but it's upsetting to see people lose humanity over charting and streaming. Also, these same people acting as if BTS are not one of the most successful acts in South Korea. I've seen people tell a Korean-American army that if she couldn't understand simple English, maybe she needs to talk in a language she could understand. Oh, they need to refer to South Korea as that country. They only refer to South Korea as quote-unquote that country, which I don't see how that is not derogatory. And they say this fully knowing how proud BTS are of their Korean heritage. I also feel like people are cherry-picking Manti tweets from the K-side to try and spread the hate as if we don't have these same issues on our own side. Wasn't it just recently that people spread misinfo about the Jack in the Box release? Sorry for the long question. I just felt tired of seeing these people brush over the worries of K-Armies and Korean people over the Busan Expo and treating it as all Manti stuff. And this is from the USA. This person, like, they spilled because, let me, let me, let me tell you something. First of all, I didn't even know that some people were saying that stuff because I've seen the tweets where it's like Korean armies don't deserve BTS, but I didn't know that like some people would just talk to Koreans like that. Like, oh, if she can understand simple English, maybe they need to talk in a language she could understand. That's really disgusting. 
especially referring to South Korea as quote unquote that country. Like I, this is what I mean when I say that it's gone to a point where people are just starting to be outright racist and people think all the time, oh, I'm not racist. I stand a K-pop group and I'm sorry to tell you, but standing a K-pop group does not suddenly absolve you of all of the ignorance that you have been harboring within yourself for all of your life. You can still very much stand as many Korean people as you want and still be equally as ignorant as you were before you stand them. The same way that having a black romantic partner does not absolve you of racism against black people. So saying, oh, I'm not racist, my friend is black, doesn't mean anything if you're still calling them the n-word. I'm sorry. I don't understand how people are looking at these tweets and not seeing the problem that is occurring with them because you know, it started with people just talking about, oh, Camrys are complaining about this and that, and now it's just morphed into suddenly the entire of South Korea in general just does not deserve BTS. And somehow I, armies are the only ones who deserve BTS, even though we have our own share of problems that are equally as bad as the K side. And so to act like we're somehow all saints and above the Korean fans is just absolutely ridiculous. It just completely derogatory, as this person has said. Yeah, I feel like we've honestly covered this topic a lot in like the previous submissions, so I don't want to get into it again too much just because, you know, I feel like we've already said everything about this, but check yourself. There are just so many times where people easily dip into xenophobia and don't even realize it, all because they don't like how that fan base is operating. Um, um, when I say, like, that fan base, um, I mean, like, K-Armies, obviously, so I just want to be clear. Um, if you don't like how a certain fan base is, um, operating, then, uh, what is that? Why, why, why are you bringing up, like, their Korean identity? Like, it's weird. Like, how do you not see the problem with that? Regardless of your feelings towards someone, it should never be based on, their ethnicity or their or like their cultural identity like that's just never okay exactly so moving on to the next submission this person says i love our fandom but i just wish we could support each other more some old armies tend to make fun of baby armies i think that should stop oh and also armies need to understand that beaches are old enough to make their own decisions and we've been preaching this for the hundredth time y'all need to get your head of the clouds and this is from South Africa. Yeah, when it comes to this, um, first of all, we have uh, a lot of submissions from time to time where we talk about like old army versus new armies. And I think that, as you said, um, old armies, what they need to do is they need to step up and be mature in guiding newer armies through standing BTS because now more than ever, it is so overwhelming to have to get into all this different content and be expected to understand it. I mean, I feel like that's always a big expectation people place on newer armies where they may have just gone into BTS and suddenly they need to know everything about them, even though there is hours and hours and hours of more content that they need to learn compared to when, for example, Delilah and I were fans. Like, uh, we came in at a time where, yes, there was a lot of content, but way less than what BTS has been releasing these days. Like, the amount of variety show appearances, talk show appearances, amount of run BTS episodes, the amount of concert docuseries, the amount of interviews that they've done, 
Like, there are so many things that people need to catch up on if you're just becoming a fan that some of the expectations that people place on newer armies to learn stuff about BTS is just absolutely ridiculous. I feel like there definitely needs to be, like, some important key things that they need to watch about BTS, but to expect them to know about everything is just ridiculous. And at the same time, newer armies, I feel like, um, yes, uh, it's not fair that, you know, people make fun of you for not knowing stuff, but at the same time, also be wary not to speak on things that you are not fully aware of. Because there are some instances I will see of, like, fans who may have created their Twitter account last year who are talking about, like, beef from, like, I don't know, 2016 of armies and exiles, and it's like, you weren't there for that. Why are you on the forefront of this fight? And so that's why I feel like if you're a new army, just do your best to take the time to watch BTS's content yourself. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about the fan wars or anything that anyone is saying. Just worry about getting all of that information down first, and then you can start interacting with other people in terms of discourse and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, and so I don't have anything else to add um, to that other than the fact that the, this discourse has been going on too long. Um, that's what I'll mm -hmm. say. It's, it's just, I feel like the past two years, there is some debate on old armies uh, making fun of baby armies, um, or baby armies need to, you know, sit down and let older armies navigate things. And it's, it's just so messy. Um, it is, I did see, you know, that tweet, I think it was like last week or something, it was like, oh, you know, what is, you know, let's have a tweet uplifting, um, you know, new armies, what is something that you recently learned about BTS that you didn't know? And going through that was so much fun, because right. one, it reminded me of some things that I knew about, but probably had forgotten or hadn't thought about it in a long time, even as an army that's been here for a while. And also seeing things that I hold dear in my heart that other people were just now discovering. Like, it's such a fun process. Um, and I, I want that to continue, continue being a fun process for others. Exactly. I feel like, you know, getting into BTS needs to be a fun process. And how is it supposed to be enjoyable if you constantly have people who are making fun of you for not knowing certain things and I think that people just have to be mindful of that and just learn to understand that like not everyone is going to start off with the same level of knowledge as you about BTS and you were once in that stage of being a new fan where you didn't know anything so you obviously need to treat other people the way that you would have wanted to be treated when you were a baby army it's as simple as that and um you know on the second part of this burden submission yeah, understand that BTS are old enough to make their own decisions. We're sick and tired of all this infantilization, and we talked a little bit about it with the whole Busan Expo thing, um, but just in general as well, especially with the way that solo stands constantly infantilize them, we just need to learn not to fall into that same pattern, because again, they're grown men. I mean, Jin is literally turning 30 this year. I think he can speak for himself the same way that all the other members can also speak for themselves as to what they want out of their career, and they do not need us to interfere. I promise you that. Right. Um, and so, with that, 
Um, we'll move on to the next submission. My mouse is working again, Daisy, so don't worry. Woo-hoo! I got it. I'll scroll. Um, <laughs> this one says, Armies have a strict rule of not sharing BTS's location and private schedules, whether in their whether they're in Korea or abroad. The only time it seems okay to share such information is when a member posts about it themselves and are away from that location. Does this extend to them attending concerts? I know they're easy to spot in crowds like this, but wouldn't this be a part of the private schedule despite being a public event? Everyone was so excited about Harry Styles, but during Gaga, people were asking fans not to post before Hobie acknowledged he was there. And recently, fans were sharing videos of Namsok at Billie Eilish, and very few took issue with it until discourse started. I always see these clips happily shared by people on my timeline who also condemn their photos being taken at restaurants and such. I would love to know your thoughts. Thank you from the USA. Um, this is yeah. a, this is a really good question um, because in a because in a way, uh, yeah. What does make exposing that? Oh, they're at this concert right now. Different from oh, they're at this restaurant right now. Honestly, in my opinion, I feel like there is no difference. Um, I understand that, like, they are in a very, very public setting. Of course, people are going to eventually clock, wait a second, there is a little BTS member in that section over there. And so I can understand why people may be excited and maybe might even take a picture or a video. And honestly, um, in terms of that, I feel like if you really are going to do that, because at the end of the day, we can't stop anyone from taking a picture or a video, but just until BTS acknowledged that they were there, just don't share that information. Um, Because I feel like if they wanted us to know that they were at that place, they would have at least posted the pictures from that place. So I would, like, if I ever saw a member at a certain place, I would wait until they've acknowledged it before I would suddenly be on Twitter like, oh yeah, I saw them at that place and they were doing this, blah, blah, blah. Like, for example, there um, was that one time uh, back in 2017 when BTS went to Hawaii for Bon Voyage Season 2 and uh, who was it? It was uh, the Magne Line and Hobie who were messing around in the shopping center and like trying to film a music video or whatever. And... Um, an army had seen them from afar, just like goofing around and had filmed a video of them. And I think they waited something like a year after they left Hawaii before they had actually released that video. Um, and by that time, the Bon Voyage season two had already been out. And so everybody knew that they were there. And so that army waited a very long time uh, to post that video and be like, yeah, I saw them. This is the video I took. So I feel like, um, we should all at least strive to be like that. I mean, I'm not saying you have to wait a year to post your video if you really want to post it, but wait until BTS acknowledge that they're there and also wait till they've actually left that place because the biggest problem with posting about BTS when they're still at the place is that you will have people who are trying to stalk them. Like, they always have to worry about sassings. And so by posting when they're still there is putting their safety at risk. So... I think that, um, you know, like this person has submitted, just always make sure that if you're sharing something about what BTS has been doing and where they are, that they have already posted about being there. Mm-hmm. Like, I 
I don't really know what is also the, like, I feel like that makes sense, um, but then I also get it, um, that you're excited seeing that, you know, oh, hey, they're at this concert too, and then also with uh, an area like a concert, it's not like people who live down the street can, like, just go into the concert venue to see BTS if they're there. Um, like, it's, at this point, it's, like, a, in a sense, it's almost, like, a closed event, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I also get it, like, it's still, you know, it will probably be uncomfortable if people are focusing on them and not the rest of the concert. Like, I don't know, like, it, it's, it's a gray area, like, I don't want to explicitly say that, um, that it's wrong to do or correct to do because I don't think that is right like I I think that there is arguments for like both sides especially you know when you'll see that if BTS um if BTS are also like interacting with armies at the concert then it's like uh you you would expect people to talk about it, but at the same time, I get it. Like, okay, you can talk about it after the concert is over and you're home in your bed, um, just like we do with everything else. And I think that is probably always going to be the safest and best approach to just not post about them um, until after. But at, but at the same time, I also understand the argument of, like, a concert. It's kind of like a closed event space um, at that mm. point in the middle of a concert. They probably have, they're in the VIP section, so they probably take, like, a private entrance and exit. Um, and so it's not like anyone is going to be able to actually follow them like you would if you say, hey, they're at this mall in L.A. right now. So, like, I I kind of get both sides of the argument. So, I think I'm kind of on the side of it is always best to just wait until after um, and, like, you're home to talk about it. But, like, I also get the other side of it. Exactly. So, moving on to the next submission, they say, Do we have to have the capitalist money-hungry conversation every time merch over $50 is released? I get that everyone can't afford certain merchandise. I can't afford to buy most stuff myself. It's okay to not buy official things if it's too expensive. It's okay to be upset at high prices for things you want. It's also okay to be critical of Hive slash Weavers as well. I 100% condone complaining about shipping prices. All these things can be true at the same time. But sometimes these conversations start to straddle the line of criticizing BTS's intentions as artists, and I, for one, am getting tired of this every time we get new merch slash paid content. Also, as a heads up to other ARMY listening, if you pay using PayPal, you have the option to pay in installments. That helps your bank account just a little bit. And this is from the tired states of America. What a mood. But yeah, I think that this person is definitely bringing up some good points because every single time we do get expensive merch, then suddenly it's all about, 
oh, Hybe is just uh, siphoning money out of armies to go and pay for their other groups, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's just the same tired narrative of, like, Hybe slash Big Hit Money Hungry. It's, it's, it's so annoying. recycled. Um, it's tiring. It's not adding anything new. Like, we get it. If you don't want it, don't buy it. <laughs> like, just simple as that. Um, especially because, you know, a lot of BTS merch, I will say, they do tend to sell it in smaller batches. Um, mm. And so then that way, um, it makes sense that it's limited, so then that way there's not, you know, waste and stuff. Um, but, you know, the shipping is also absolutely ridiculous. There are a lot of times where I'll be like, I could probably buy that. And then the shipping cost, and I go, oh, no, I cannot. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, while that is definitely a continuing problem, I feel like the base prices for the products themselves are, like, it's fine. Right. Um, I think that a lot of times people just over, uh, not over, hyper-focus on the super expensive stuff without realizing that there is a lot on the Weaver shop that is pretty reasonably priced. Um, like, there's quite a few things that I've bought from the Weaver shop that I don't regret buying and I don't think were overly expensive. Like, my Black Swan, like, especially, like, given the quality of the actual merch, like, my Black Swan hoodie has lasted for so long, it still looks just as good as it did when I first bought it. So, like, the quality of the items that you get is, like, usually pretty good, at the very least in my experience. And so I would say that for what I do buy, it is worth the money. Um, although I do understand that there are some things that are just so expensive. Although things like this that are like $200, $300, like this is not the first time that they've put out merch like this. There has been other type of collector's merch and stuff that was also expensive. I don't remember what it was called, but I do remember from like last year or the year before um, where they did come out with something like that. So there are instances where they have put out expensive merch, but then even though it may be upsetting that I can't afford it, I just simply don't buy it. I don't get too up in arms about things that I can't afford. Is it sad that sometimes there's something that I want that I just can't buy at the moment? Yes. Am I going to start writing think pieces about the downfall of capitalism and the fact that Hive is a money-hungry company that doesn't care about any of its consumer base and that BTS is suddenly wanting to take advantage of their fans? No. I feel like it's a waste of time and I feel like we have these conversations every three to five business days. We need to let it die. Yep. And... Just like how we're going to let it die right here on this podcast right now, I think um, we'll just uh, move on to the next submission. Um, but I will say, before, actually right before we do that, um, a great point about how a lot of um, payment options allow you to pay in, a, in installments now. Like that is a, a really good um, tip to try and save some money in between paychecks so definitely try utilizing that if possible uh so yeah i think this is our last submission of um this army anonymous so let's get into it this one says when lgbt armies talk about heteronormativity present in the fandom we aren't only referring to people assuming bts are straight by default 
There are a lot of people who seem LGBT friendly, but subconsciously undermine queer fans and paint them as either delusional, doing too much, or sometimes even creeps because of preconceived notions they have of the community and because many of them have never had to think about these issues outside of the internet. And this can be very invalidating because for many of us, we only have the internet as our safe space to be ourselves and talk about these issues. For example, for me as a lesbian, I unfortunately am constantly assuming people will think I am weird if I tweet a certain way about the boys. Example, calling them attractive or using certain affectionate nicknames. From Portugal. Um, yeah, this is a really weird, like, argument you'll see on Twitter. Or, like, you'll see a lesbian, um, be like, oh, Taehyung, yep, he's hot. And then there would be so many people in the replies being like, aren't you a lesbian? Um, why not you <laughs> hot? And it's like, you are able to objectively view people as aesthetically pleasing, and I don't know how to explain to you that you can find people objectively attractive and not be romantically or sexually attractive to them. Yeah, I feel like there's a difference between finding someone attractive and being attracted to them. Like, I can acknowledge that somebody is handsome or pretty and I can see why people like them without actually being attracted to them myself. The same way that, like, so many straight girls actually will be out here calling all sorts of girls that they see pretty. Like, you go into, like, the girl's bathroom in a nightclub or something, look at how many girls will compliment you on your makeup. And a lot of times these girls are straight themselves. But just because they find me looking pretty, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily sexually attracted to me. Like, I call girls pretty all the time, but that just means that they're pretty. A lot of times it doesn't go any further than that. In fact, there are some guys that I would say, oh, they're handsome, but I could still not be attracted to that specific guy. So I feel like even regardless of what sexuality you identify with, kind of conflating uh, attractiveness with attraction is the biggest problem. But in terms of like, you know, LGBTQ plus people within the fandom, I feel like Yes, at times, like, some people can be dismissive and they may not understand that just because, you know, somebody may be fond of BTS or they might like BTS or actually find them hot, that doesn't necessarily change their sexuality. And I think that that is a discussion that I've been seeing happening more frequently on the timeline. But I feel like more people definitely need to be tuned into those convos because they need to happen. Yeah, I, there's just... I feel like it's odd that a lot of times, um, especially you see that a lot of people will profit, and not even financially profit, but maybe like profit from like a clout sense by talking about, oh, um, being married or, you know, you know, or maybe it's making fan art or just whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and the fact that that will garner a lot of clout, but then you'll tell LGBT people, oh, it's not appropriate to propose at a BTS concert because mm. why? Why is that not appropriate? If it were a straight couple, you wouldn't be saying anything. Um, there's been too many instances where LGBT armies, um, despite a lot of them um, making up the fandom, uh, there's like this small subset of armies that like to, um, 
I don't know, that like to assume that BTS would be uncomfortable by them. And it's a really weird fraction of the fandom, just because, do you know who BTS are? <laughs> they, they have spoken about equality for uh, LGBT people. And, I mean, just look at Jack in the Box. Hobie has a whole song called Equal Sign dedicated to equality in, in general. And so, like, BTS are definitely a safe space for a lot of LGBT people. And it, it will never be okay uh, to attempt to uh, exclude them from spaces just because you think that they're suddenly too much. Well... You know, like this person said, a lot of times they can't even be minimally, like the most minimal, They it's difficult to maybe present themselves or talk about their sexuality outside of the internet just because it's not safe there. And so they compensate it for being able to be open about it anonymously on the internet. And so it's not okay to try and dictate whether or not LGBT people are doing too much or not, because you you don't understand what it's like to be them. Right. It's just a situation that you really have to be in or know someone who's in it to just truly understand. And I feel like a lot of this issue is just down to that weird faction of armies who just project their discomfort um around the lgbtq plus community to like they project it onto bts even though bts have you know like you said they have become a safe space for people within this community and like you said about equal sign i mean even my universe like chris martin said in plain right. english how the song was about being able to love another regardless of race or ethnicity or even sexuality. He specifically said sexuality. And you can go back and watch the song making process, uh, that documentary video on BTS's uh, channel. It's there. So for people to act like BTS are somehow uh, not supportive of this community is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's down to one thing and one thing only. And let me tell you, this word starts with homo, but it does not end in sexuality. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, you know, um, it's definitely not a majority. It's definitely a small fraction. Um, and so whenever that small fraction begins to peek through, it is, you almost laugh at it because it's like, do you know what fandom you're in? Um, like, I think there was even <laughs> a tweet that tried to say, it was like some non-armies, it was trying to say like armies are like the most homophobic fandom. Um, and I'm like, that's just not true. Nope, not at all. Um, mm. is there homophobic people in the fandom? Yes. Um, just mm. like how there are a lot of, uh, people that probably love Ronald Reagan in this fandom. Um, even though, <laughs> <laughs> like, but even though BTS's music pretty much opposes a lot of, um, things that I guess Ronald Reagan uh, would support. I like that Ronald Reagan is like the evil face person. Um, when I just think of, like, when I just think of, like, everything that is wrong with modern America, I think that it, like, it's not even an exaggeration to say it is Ronald Reagan's fault. <laughs> so, um, the fact that, um, that small fact.
action exists is definitely annoying. But also, you know, at the end of the day, I hope um, people can uh, continue to make ARMY an LGBT-friendly uh, fandom. Because I think it already is, for sure, 100%. I'm pretty sure um, at least uh, most of the armies that I seem to uh, communicate with are LGBT, um, myself included, of course. So uh, let's just um, continue to be uh, more sensitive to each other. And yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Honestly, because, uh, yeah, because like this person said, it's really not just about people assuming BTS's sexuality, even though that is a problem in itself. Um, and, you know, especially a lot of times uh, when people say don't assume their sexuality, it's usually them telling uh, people within the LGBTQ plus community who kind of see themselves within BTS. I remember, and it's not even like a serious tweet, but I just remember this one tweet. It was so funny where somebody was like, oh, you know, like, I don't think BTS would feel comfortable uh, having gay people uh, attending their concert. But the, and then someone had replied, like, if gay people weren't allowed at BTS's concert, then who the hell's going to perform? <laughs> I remember that tweet. It was so funny. Um, I really love that tweet. The original tweet, you know, it was already a dumb tweet. But, like, that response was just so funny. Because it's like... One it was just S-tier. Like, who do you... Like, who do you think you're supporting here? Um, but, yeah... That is where we're going to end off um, for this part of ARMY Anonymous, and we'll finish it up with uh, tomorrow. All right. So if you got to the end, we thank you guys for listening, and we will see you in tomorrow's episode. All right. Bye for now.